from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Okay. Hi. Hi. <laughs> All right, so here we are in the car, getting ready to head back to Charleston. I know it's a little early, but um, maybe you could give us just a couple of reflections on uh, how this trip went after you put on your seatbelt. Yeah, let's do that. I feel like it's been, uh, it's been beautiful as I see it. Like, I love the... I love the the different ways people have shared. So some people's questions and interests have had to do with poetry, and sometimes it's their own. Even afterwards, someone came up to me and was, you know, talking about some of the things that she's struggling with in her own writing. And so that layer of the conversation. And then there are people who whose responses have been thematic, you know, like especially to the history and in, in terms of the history that is here. Um, that people like to to be reminded of and, and like the idea of being sort of honored or shared. Um, and I think that's really exciting too. What else? It's nice to enter into these community spaces and just see what community means in different places. Welcome to From the Catbird Seat, a poetry podcast from the Poetry and Literature Center at the Library of Congress. I'm Ann Holmes, the Center's Digital Content Manager. And I'm Rob Casper, head of the Poetry and Literature Center. This is the second episode in our three-part series revisiting some of U.S. Poet Laureate Tracy K. Smith's travels around the country as part of her current project, American Conversations, Celebrating Poems in Rural Communities. Last week, we followed Tracy's trips around rural New Mexico in January 2018, and on today's episode, we're exploring her travels to South Carolina in February. Rob, you traveled with Tracy to South Carolina, along with a few other folks from the library, as well as Ruth Franklin, a reporter from the New York Times Magazine. At the beginning of the episode, we heard part of a conversation between Ruth and Tracy in the car at the end of the trip heading back to Charleston. Uh, So, Rob, can you set the stage for this trip to South Carolina? Sure. This was the second of our three pilot project trips for the American Conversations Poet Laureate Project. It was the opportunity for us to test out the format. We wanted to see which communities and audiences we should be reaching, what partners we should be working with, and what was the best approach to take when we were traveling around and connecting to various small communities. We also wanted to make good on Tracy's desire to connect to rural communities, communities that are like the place where she grew up in rural California, and also places that were far removed from the big cities and college towns she would normally give readings at. To that end, we visited three locations in South Carolina. First, Lake City, a town of about 7,000 people. Then, Somerton, a smaller town of about 1,000 people and Willtown, a town of about 3,000. They were all within an hour, hour and a half of one another. They gave us a lot of time to talk in the car about where we were going and about the project in general. We had in the car Tracy and myself, as well as Brett Zonger and Sean Miller from the library's Office of Communications, and an embedded reporter, who I'll talk about a little bit later. Here's a clip of conversation from the car as we headed to our first location, Lake City United Methodist Church. 
All right, here we are on the road to Lake City uh, with a car full of folks. Um, everyone say hi. 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 All right, Tracy. Uh, is this an interview? Do I ask you questions? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, what are you thinking about on the eve of your first event uh, in South Carolina? Um, I guess I'm just curious about who who's going to be at these different events and what the feeling in the room will be. I have a sense of different things that I might read that you know relate to what I'm thinking about, but I really hope that um, something organic will happen. Um, so we're going our first our first visit is to a church um, and curious about the kind of the spirit that's going to be in that room. Yeah, and I'm also curious just about how many people are going to be there. And maybe you could talk about uh, what the audience was like in New Mexico. Sure. We had, um, so there were two events. Um, the first event that we did was a reading and discussion at Cannon Air Force Base. And that room probably had about 30 people who were um, mostly servicemen um, and women. I have to say, servicemen is a gender-neutral term, so it includes everyone, um, and some spouses, and a lot of people who were excited to, after the event, well, first of all, people who were excited to kind of have a conversation about, about the poems, and then willing to read some of the poems that I had read that we talked about, and one young man had a notebook of his own work, and he he read a couple of his original poems, which he's been writing in you know while he's um, on duty, and um, was excited to have a space where that could be shared. You know that brings up something interesting too, uh, which is how these events may depart from the kind of events that you're used to doing as a poet, and the kind of flexibility that you may have to um, have especially, as you said, with what kinds of poems you're going to read, not only of your own, but the poems that you're going to select. And maybe you could talk a little bit about the the poems you have to select from. Sure. Well, I I have all my work with me. I'm probably most excited about my newest work, but there are topics across the books and poems that behave in different ways, poems that are thinking about private experience, poems that are looking at particular public events or moments in history and... I think the sense of what people respond to will determine where where I go. And then I've got some, some work by other poets, contemporary American poets. I've got a poem by Araceli Skirmai, which is essentially, I think, a poem about being a stranger in a, in a new place, which I kind of read in terms of immigration or crossing from one kind of home to another, one sense of community to another. I have a couple of poems about childhood, one by Major Jackson, one by John Yao, and a poem by Laura Kosicki that I think is so interesting because it, it's a poem that teaches you how to read it, and I think that's a really great thing that poems do, but often they do it kind of quietly. This poem kind of is bold in showing you um, what, to, what, you, what you have come to understand by way of what you've just read. So I think it's great to talk a little bit about other poets' work. I feel more like I can go in and think about what craft-based choices people have made and talk about it. With my own work, I tend to think about the place, where the poems come from, what's the 
what's the question on my mind and maybe what are some of the discoveries that I made in writing the poem. There's something really pleasing about hearing these conversations, literally on the road, in the car. Also, Rob, I know this trip was unique in part because Congressman James Clyburn, who represents the rural district of South Carolina, where Tracy was visiting, helped steer the coordination for this trip. And I know he attended all three of the public events. Can you talk a little bit about Congressman Clyburn's involvement? We were really excited to visit his district. Uh, It's the sixth district of South Carolina, which includes parts of Charleston, as well as the rural areas to the northwest and south of the city. He was involved in a very different way than Senator Udall, which Anya Crichton detailed in the kickoff episode of the podcast. The congressman chose these three locations himself, and because the trip took place in February, uh, which is African American History Month, he had a special focus on civil rights and history with these three locations. It was exciting to have him and all three kicking things off and concluding the events. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk to him afterwards about these locations, and here he is explaining two of the three. Congressman, you picked all three locations for the trip that we made to South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about your selection process, and what did each location offer? Well, the one thing each location had in common was the fact that there were all rural communities. For instance, our first stop was in Lake City. Right. Lake City is a rural community in South Carolina. Ron McNair, the astronaut that blew up in the Challenger, uh-huh. was from Lake City, South Carolina. And he talked about not being allowed to use the library in the little town that he grew up in. And the fact he went on to become an outstanding astronaut after getting his degree in physics. Uh, from MIT and, and North Carolina State University. So, and Lake City is also where Reverend J. Eddie Lane, the man who led the um, Brown versus Board of Education, the Briggs v. case, the case came out of Summerton. Few people realized that Reverend Delane pastored and lived in Lake City. His church was burned down in Lake City, South Carolina. So, these associations with the history of Brown v. Board of Education, with our African-American astronaut, all of these made me look at Lake City. So we went to Lake City and went over to Summerton. Right. Summerton is where Brown v. Board of Education, where all the activities took place. And we held the event in the auditorium of the school that was to be integrated and was integrated uh, by those students. It was right on this infamous I-95 corridor where people call, that people have nicknamed the corridor of shame because of its low-income, poverty-stricken communities. But to know that the people who gave us Brown v. Board of Education all came from that little community where it all started. We tend to think of Brown being from Kansas, and few people realize that the rural South Carolinians Rural Virginians, uh, in Davis' case, Belton v. Gephardt was the case coming out of uh, Delaware, and then Washington, D.C., Bolton case. And Brown was really not even about integration. It's about speeding up integration. Right. So I just thought it was necessary for people from these communities to feel that they, too, can participate. 
On their drive to Adam's run for the final event on the trip, Tracy and Rob discussed the previous day's events in Lake City and Somerton. Let's hear it from them. Tracy, I figured it'd be good just to talk about what yesterday was like and what you're looking forward to today. So we had two events yesterday. The first was in a church, and there were students from local schools. There were community members. There were you know people who were there in some civic capacity, school board, um, local government, um, the reverend of the congregation. And the reading, I kind of front-loaded the reading, basically. Representative Claiborne had comments that situated the, our location in historical terms, and that kind of made me feel like I wanted to read poems of my own about history. And then we had a, a Q&A session afterward. Um, weren't a lot of questions. There were a couple of questions, but a lot of comments came from that. I think people were interested in, you know, talking about how what they did or where they were from related to some of the themes that came up. Someone, one of the poems that I read had to do with certain companies in the Civil War, and um, there's a the 54th uh, Massachusetts company had spent a lot of time in, in that area of South Carolina, and so that came up, and then somebody who, you know, is enlisted or a veteran spoke about his um, his experience, and yeah, it felt it reminded me of of uh, in some ways going to church when I was growing up. You know, there were there were there was a generational kind of like spectrum, and people were really warm and kind. And afterward, there was that feeling of you know like after church, let's kind of greet each other. Yeah, what did you notice? Well, I thought it was great that we had such a big crowd, that the church was filled to capacity. Uh, and also, it was exciting to meet people like the guy who came from North Carolina and the State Arts Council. There was a sense that because it was a, a public event, there, were, there was a much bigger uh, crowd and a crowd that both represented Lake City itself and the surrounding community, but um, the sort of larger literary and arts community uh, of in the area yeah and then the second event yesterday which was in um, that old Somerton high school which was the school that had been integrated as part of the Brown v Board of Education um, decision and there were members of, of uh, that class or of, you know subsequent classes who attended which I was you know really kind of blown away by another reminder of how recent that history is really that was that was a smaller crowd we had more back and forth interaction I read a group of poems and then sort of solicited questions and talked more about the process of writing Um, and there was something you know it, it felt like a conversation to me because of the way we were going back and forth well I'm interested to have you talk a little bit about, in a sense, what you feel or what you've seen that these readings require of you to talk about in terms of your own work, your own interest, how you feel like you need to communicate the power of poetry to 
uh, sort of an audience that's made up of people who, as we saw yesterday, were sort of happened to come to this event for various reasons, and we're really excited about it. Um, well, I, I kind of think really that the power of poetry is something that that happens. You know, like there was a group of people who had, you know, many of them knew each other. And because of the way that, you know, everything was framed from the beginning by the, the congressman, um, there was relevance in some way to people's lives and experience of place um, within, you know, the, the poems that, that were read. But I think that talking a little bit about the process, about why uh, I would choose to write a poem about history, um, that might have decoded a little bit of, you know, like the mystique of poetry. Okay, a poem is something that you can write to think about something. Um, a poem can speak to not just love or private experience, but another time or a set of events. Maybe that was new or engaging to people. There were a lot of people afterward who said, not a lot, there were, I met a group of women who um, said, oh, I used to write, I used to do spoken word, I, I felt like that side of me was shut down, but I really want to turn it back on. I want to get back into that. Um, and I think that's exciting. And I guess really what they're saying is there's something I miss about what, you know, what I used to do. And, and these poems reminded me of that. And I don't know what exactly it is for each person, but it's, um, it's nice to know that maybe it's, it's, it's a useful or inspiring thing to say, oh, this is something that I think is important. This is something that, you know, we can come together around. Uh, there were some questions about, you know, like the writing life. But again, there were a lot of comments that were almost just, this is what, you know, this is what came to mind for me. This is what I feel. And in a way that's, maybe that's even the deeper point you know, like, okay, not everybody's going to become a poet from going to a poetry reading, but to be reminded of things that might have been quiet or dormant in the self is, I think, a huge part of what poems do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I also think one of the most remarkable aspects to this trip, one of the biggest surprises, is how... Uh, the congressman and, and uh, yesterday the historian as well and, and all the introducers really connected us to uh, the history of, of these places that we've talked a lot about the importance of a rural tour and connecting to rural communities but we haven't thought about it in terms of connecting to not only the people who are there in front of us but, but the history of those places and how they connect to the history of those places do you think that's the kind of thing we might want to focus on if possible going forward I think it could be a really interesting quiet theme what I liked about the way that um, the congressman talked about history was that he was really using it as something that could be momentum for thinking forward you know his comments at the end were really about you know making great choices and um, supporting the people who are vulnerable and young. Um, and that was, you know, he's basically, I, I felt he was saying we have this history of, of powerful change that we've come together as a community to enact. And it wasn't just here locally, it affected a national, you know, 
change. And um, that seems like a charge. It's not just saying, let's celebrate that and then go back to doing what we always do. It's a way of saying, we can keep doing this. That's exciting, you know? Uh, maybe places that have a legacy of powerful social movements would be really exciting to visit. And I'm sure the relationship of, of people to that history will be slightly different from place to place. Well, and also every place has its history and some places have histories like Somerton uh, that are that are more explicitly connected to uh, social movements and a sort of national consciousness. But of course, you know, any place we go to might have something uh, that we could possibly unearth. Um, what's been interesting is the way in which the congressman himself set up these visits around these three places around a kind of a kind of history to that connected to um, or connects to Black History Month. And he's talked about that. And it's been exciting to have him at all the events. What's it been like for you to have him sort of be part of be part of the presentation? I think initially I, I was apprehensive, you know, saying, oh, OK, there's going to be a political representative here. Is this going to be a platform for, you know, kind of just making everyone r- remember why they elected him? But it wasn't. I didn't think I think it was really, you know, I'm proud of this place. I have I'm connected to people here and I want to be a host, you know, um, so I, I appreciated that his take on it has to do with history, but I, I bet that going somewhere else, even if that place has a really powerful history, might, you know, mean going somewhere where someone's take, our host's take on things would be about something else. Maybe it's just more interesting to follow what comes, you know, if somebody says, okay, well, we are trying to revive this, you know, practice, or we are excited about you know, this new trend or this is a problem that we're struggling with. Maybe it's interesting just to see whether and how poems dip into that conversation, you know, instead of trying to plan or choreograph it. We had one other person along with us on this trip, which I alluded to earlier. That is our embedded reporter from the New York Times Magazine. National Book Critics Circle Award-winning biographer Ruth Franklin had previously written a big profile for the magazine on novelist Claire Massoud, so we had an idea of what she was looking for and what she would do in talking about Tracy. She was with us from beginning to end, in our car, at the events, at dinners, and running around trying to figure out where we should be and at what time. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to have her there, and it was exciting to see the piece a few weeks later. Here's a little segment of Ruth talking to Tracy in the car while we were driving from one location to the next. One thing you've talked about is a lot, is listening to other people, getting hearing their perspectives, how poetry can help us listen to each other. Um, and obviously one element that's so dramatic in our public conversation right now is the red-blue divide in America and how people on other sides don't listen to each other, can't listen to each other, you know, don't even have a common vocabulary for how to talk about the events around us. Um, I guess part of what I was wondering if we'd see at these events was, you know, encounters with people on different sides of the political spectrum and what that might be like. And 
I, I haven't really I haven't really seen that happen. I wonder if people came up and said things privately to you or what. I wonder was that was that part of what you were hoping to achieve? It is part of what I am hoping to achieve, and I don't know what it will, how or what what it will look like. I and I don't even know how I can know what side of the spectrum people sit on. I just now and I don't I mean maybe this is just my assumption I, I was speaking with the two law enforcement officers that were there they were you know they liked the poems they liked um, listening to them and they invited me if I'm ever back to go on a ride along with them and they said um, a lot of people think that we are just driving around looking to cause trouble um, to upset people that we're, we're not doing our work in a fair-minded way and we love for you to come and see what we do how we do what we do and that I mean that's a really fascinating invitation I would be interested in taking them up on if I were ever back and I don't know exactly how it relates to your question but I, I feel intuitively like that might be a a way of getting closer to that you know divine Tracy's interest in returning to the rural communities she visited in South Carolina was shared by Congressman Clyburn, too. Before we wrap up today's episode, let's hear from the congressman about the final event on the South Carolina trip. It took place at the James E. Clyburn Willtown Community Center. I want to focus my last question on that last stop uh, at the community center named after you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You and Tracy were both there early and you effectively greeted the audience as they walked in. And I felt like that changed the tenor of the event. Can you talk about the importance of a project like this engaging people on a one-on-one level, on a really intimate level, in the way that we did there at the community center? I think it's very important for people to feel that you are a part of them and they of you. I feel that if I had just run in there at the appointed hour, leave, and it was all over. I would lose so much of what it was I was trying to demonstrate. I got there early. I wanted to engage people. I wanted to get a feel for them. And hopefully they'll get a feel for us. And quite frankly, probably I'll not say this, but I feel it. I think that was the best stop of the thing. (laughs) And I didn't intend for it. I didn't expect for it to be. I, I, I kind of thought that um, Summerton would be, but it wasn't. Well, we didn't know we were going to compete with the uh, Women's State Basketball Tournament. That was a big problem. I yeah, remember. We didn't know that at all either. So, but um, I'm not too sure that even if we had three times the crowd, I'm not too sure that the quality and the interaction would have been what it was down there at Willtown. Yeah, I it, agree. There was just something about the spirit in that place. They had me telling my wife when I got home that we got to go back down and spend some time with those people. Wow, what a way to end the trip. That sounds like a fantastic event. It was really amazing to see what happened when Tracy greeted everyone beforehand, how it changed the tone of the whole event. At the two previous events, Tracy had gone to the green room and then stepped out when it was time to give the reading and have the discussion. And it just made it a little bit more formal. It was lovely to see how the audience engaged more fully with Tracy because she'd had the opportunity to talk to them face to face. 
and welcome them to the center. You know, it's interesting to see how we learn so much just by doing with these pilot project trips, that until we were in the communities, we didn't really know what would work and what wouldn't work. I'm immensely grateful to the congressman and his staff, including the district director, Robert Nance, and everyone both in the district and here in Washington, D.C., who helped ensure that our travels were smooth and we reached amazing audiences. It's interesting. All three events really helped argue for the power of poetry to speak to the past as well as the present, thanks to the congressman's careful selection of the locations. The congressman also connected poetry to civic engagement through his involvement. He opened up each event by telling stories that situated us, and he concluded each event by grounding it in a place in history. So we always had a sense of where we were and why we were there, and how Tracy's reading there and her conversations with audiences as the U.S. Poet Laureate mattered. Programmatically speaking, the South Carolina trip was a contrast to the New Mexico trip. We had three private events in New Mexico that focused on targeted audiences, and we had three public events in South Carolina that connected to these locations in a very public way. We also focused on a district instead of trying to cover the whole state, and that meant that we had the help of the congressman and his staff in a way that was very meaningful. Of course, we changed things up for the final pilot project trip. You'll have to wait until next week to hear about what we did and what we learned when we were in Kentucky. And since it will be the final podcast for the series, you'll also hear us talking about what we made of our trips and how we decided to change things up for the American Conversations Tour that started in September. Great. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks, Anne. And that concludes today's episode. Thank you for joining us on From the Catbird Seat. We'll be back next week for our third and final episode in this short series, where we'll follow Tracy K. Smith's March 2018 trip to Kentucky. To learn more about American Conversations, visit the project online at read.gov slash American Conversations. And as always, you can find out more about poetry past, present, and future at the Library of Congress at loc.gov slash poetry. Stay tuned! This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.